Good morning. People of God, did you enjoy the People of God Fair? Couldn't get you out of the People of God Fair. Did you enjoy your free donut? Or some of you, I noticed, donuts. You know, we, um, don't get me wrong, we want the people of God to expand, but um, <laughs> it's not exactly what we had in mind. Well, I had fun too. I'm thinking, uh, what do you think? I'm thinking maybe this is an annual, early year event, at least. Yeah, I had, um, I just had a great time walking around, talking with many of you, and every once in a while, I just enjoyed stopping and listening to the sound of the people of God. It's that beautiful sound of fellowship, you know what I mean, the the talking, the laughing, the getting to know each other a little bit more, and the beautiful sounds of a people of God intentional and serious about showing up an hour early to look for ways to join in with other people of God in our various groups because they want to join in with someone here, join in together, and be a more meaningful part of what God is doing in and through our church. And that just makes me smile. I love the sound of that. Good job, people of God. I trust you will follow through on the action that brought you here this morning, searching for your place in this church. And if you haven't yet found it, or if you weren't able to make it this morning, I encourage you to keep looking, keep praying. Don't give up. We're committed to help you find a place here to serve, and we're thrilled, really, that you're looking for your place in this particular people of God. As we have unpacked, especially the past several weeks, what it means to be a church, a people of God, We mentioned that, among other things, a people of God is a covenant people. And this morning, I'd like to pick up that thread and tug on it some more, on what it means that we are a covenant people of God. And armed with that further depth of understanding, hopefully, you will be given an opportunity to more officially join us, join God, really, in your part of the people of God here at West Bowles Community Church. But first, would you stand, please, if you are able, or even if you're Cain, and let's... They never get old. Come on. Let's stand together... And dedicate our time this morning in God's Word and later around the Lord's table by reciting Jesus' interpretation of something called Shema, which you see on the screen, perhaps better known to Christians as the first and second greatest commandments. Jesus summarizes in these two commands, love God and love others, it's Jesus' summary of who we are and what we're doing here as his followers. So if you are a follower of Jesus and would like to join others in affirming that to God this morning, then I invite you to please say, not my words, but God's words after me. We'll do the Hebrew responsively and then in English together. Please say these words after me. 
Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloweka. Bechol levavka. Uvahol nafshecha. Uvahol meodeka. Uvahavta reacha kamocha. Amen. Together, please, in English. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The people of God are indeed a covenant people. This begs the first question this morning, what's a covenant? Covenants were common ways that people entered into agreements in the ancient world. Examples include, and you can find these examples in the Bible, examples include where covenants would bind friend to friend, or a covenant would establish water rights between two tribes, or a covenant expresses the terms of peace between two kings. So it's no surprise at all that a covenant came to express the relationship between God and his people. First Israel, and then everyone, Gentiles too. That word testament, as in Old and New Testament, is really the same word in Hebrew as covenant. Did you know? Our Bibles have in them an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, although a better translation for the Old Testament, in my opinion, would be simply the covenant. And for the New Testament, the covenant renewed, or the renewed covenant. God's promise of salvation to Israel is the same promise to us, so there's really nothing old about his promise to Israel other than it came first. That same promise that God made to Israel to be their God and them be his people was simply renewed in a marvelous, spectacular way, of course, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because it's because of Jesus that God's promise is now not only available to Israel or the Jews, but to anyone who believes in the Messiah, Jesus, God still promises to be our God and we his people. The covenant between God and his people has three key elements. First, our covenant with God is personal. Our covenant with God did not appear because certain spiritual laws were discovered by ancient Jews. Our covenant was not created by a set of religious ideas by some men of religious genius. No, our covenant with God came about because of the willing response of people entering into a unique relationship with an intimate, personal God. God said to Israel at Sinai, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That is the heart of our covenant with God. So intimate to be carried. So personal to be brought or drawn to God. Ideas and laws do not speak. They do not 
draw us or woo us. Only a living person can do that. A little girl once splashed through a puddle and got mud on her socks. And after examining it with a critical eye, she asked her mother, What's mud for? Her mother searched frantically for a convincing answer and found one. For making bricks, dear. The little girl wasn't satisfied. What are bricks for? Making houses, dear. Well, what are houses for? People, her mother replied. The little girl paused only for a second and then asked the question to which her mother had no reply. And what are people for? The very heart of our personal God. The very heart of the covenant that he has for us holds the answer to that question. The covenant first to Israel and then to everyone says, these people are for God. The first key element of our covenant with God is that it's personal. The second element of our covenant with God is seen in its origin. It originates with God, then is received by people. It is not an agreement between equals, some sort of bargain which people struck with the Almighty. In striking contrast to the covenants between other people and their gods in Israel's day and today, frankly, Israel's covenant, our covenant, is not one that we offer to God. God offers it to people. God took the initiative and presented the covenant to them. God chooses people to be his people before people choose him to be their God. The final key element of our covenant with God is its basis. It has always been and is still grounded in mercy and grace not in the worthiness or achievement of people. Israel, like us, could never claim because of anything they were or did that they were called to be God's chosen people. On the contrary, Israel, like us, are unworthy recipients of God's unbelievable love, recipients of God's amazing grace. Immediately after Shema in Deuteronomy 6, where God lays it out there for Israel to love him with all their all, we just recited it, in the very next chapter, God follows up his command to love him with this. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, but it was because the Lord loved you. God sets his affection on us and chooses us because God loves us, period. Yes, even in Deuteronomy and still today. Some students of the Bible have overlooked this loud note of grace in the Old Covenant. 
In their desire to magnify the grace of God and the gospel, they have argued that Israel entered into a legal relationship with God at Sinai. That somehow Israel was supposed to try and earn God's favor by keeping the law. Oh, not so. God never intended that. You know, to accept that is to make the same error that some Pharisees made in Jesus' day. The relationship of the Old Covenant was not based on achievement or reward. It was secured by God's power and mercy displayed in the exodus from slavery. The law was never intended and did not establish Israel's relation to God. The law, or better translation, the guide, simply elaborated the lifestyle of God's redeemed people, redeemed by grace because he loved them. And speaking of Exodus, we start in on Exodus next week, and I can't wait for this amazing grace story of the people of God with Pharaoh and Moses and a burning bush and plagues and the Red Sea and fire on a mountain. I can't wait to spend time in that story together. Our story, really. Now, unfortunately, over the centuries since Sinai, Israel ultimately rejected the lifestyle of redeemed by grace people. Prophet after prophet came to remind and rebuke her. But in Hosea's words, Israel's heart was set on other lovers. She fell in love with sin. And finally, Jeremiah saw no hope except in a renewed covenant, one where God would put his law, his guide within them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. We're celebrating communion this morning, remembering that through Jesus' sacrifice, God kept that promise to write his covenant on the hearts of his people to give his people his guide, his Holy Spirit indwelling in them rather than having the guide merely written on stone. And so our covenant relationship to God is personal. Its origin is God and its basis, mercy and grace. Now, what's all this got to do with the people of God here at West Bowles? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You were all given a member's packet on your way in this morning. Go ahead and take it out if you would. On the second page, you will find the title, Covenant Membership. We have long used the word covenant to describe membership here at West Bowles, but I'm not sure if we ever really elaborated on what does that mean exactly if you decide to be a covenant member of this church? To answer that question, I need to emphasize one thing in particular flowing from what we've just covered on covenants this morning. And if we miss this, we miss something profoundly important about covenant membership. As we've stated, the church is a community of people, the people of God. And here's the profoundly important point I want to be sure we understand and fully appreciate. 
the people of God are bound together to one another because they are bound to God in a covenant. Let me say that again for emphasis. You know, right, when speaking, always be careful to put the emphasis on the correct syllable. Don't forget. The people of God, we in this room who are the people of God, we are bound together to one another because we are bound to God in a covenant. The people of God are not bound together by covenant to each other. They are bound to each other because they are bound to God in a covenant. And thus the idea of covenant membership here at West Bowles. Covenant membership here is not about a covenant you make to the elders, or to me, or Dave, or George, or any other covenant members. Covenant membership is about a covenant you make with God. Let me try and illustrate using another covenant that many of us are familiar with, the marriage covenant. How many of you have heard that term to describe marriage, the covenant of marriage? Yeah, almost all of you. And it's especially appropriate to use marriage as an illustration here because it's the illustration that God uses in the Bible to describe his covenant relationship to the people of God. One difficulty with the illustration, unfortunately, is that the covenant of marriage is also often misunderstood, in my opinion. So maybe we'll take aim at two birds with one stone and help clear that up as well through the illustration. We'll see. When two people get married, when two people enter into a marriage covenant, they are not entering into a covenant with each other. The marriage covenant is based on the same type of covenant where one party is greater and one is lesser. Wait a minute. In a marriage, there is no greater or lesser party as between the groom and the bride They are equal parties called in Ephesians to mutually submit to one another. Oh, they may have differing roles, but the Bible is crystal clear that while their roles differ, neither the groom nor the bride is a greater party to the other. So what gives? Where is the greater party in the covenant of marriage? Who is the greater party in a Christian marriage? Any wild guesses in the room this morning? Yes, God is. Oh, that's just missed far too often. Have we forgotten, church, what covenant is and the covenant of marriage is over the time of being in a sea of a culture that has destroyed what marriage is and means? When a Christian man gives his promise During a wedding ceremony, the oath he makes is not ultimately to his bride. His promise is made to God. The greater party in this to become one husband and wife union. His bride is merely the beneficiary of the promise her husband is making to God. Oh, can you picture that wedding? Can you picture those vows that might better capture this covenant with God event that this couple is making? Instead of speaking their vows ultimately to each other, each other, the groom and the bride, each in their turn, speaks them to God. Can you imagine? God, I promise you 
to love, honor, and cherish her till death do us part. God, I promise you I will be faithful to him and never, ever leave him. Whoa! And now a man's service to his wife is service to God himself. The marriage is now caught up into the relationship that each individually and now both collectively as one flesh have with God. Because the covenant of marriage is one based on promises to God, the greater party in that covenant. And so a woman's service to her husband is now caught up in her relationship, her covenant as a believer, to God himself. And when that marriage struggles, it's an issue for their relationship collectively and individually with God himself. Huge ramifications here. A husband and a wife are bound together to one another because they are bound to God in a covenant of marriage. You know, I wonder, I wonder if one of the reasons at least why Christian marriages fail at the same rate as non-Christian marriages is because believers do not fully appreciate that the vows they make on their wedding day are vows made to God. When you walk away from a marriage, you are walking away from far more than a man or a woman. You're turning your back on your relationship your oath you made to God. No wonder the Bible so emphatically states that God hates divorce. doesn't hate you, but the reason he hates divorce is because he loves you and cherishes you. God is foundationally and powerfully a full and complete partner in Christian marriage. It's what makes it Christian. The marriage covenant invites God in. Absent that vow to God, the marriage is merely a promise one person makes to another. Important, sure, but not nearly as powerful as a marriage where God is made a full partner by being the ultimate direct recipient of the wedding vows. Kyle and Catherine, are you here this morning? Wave so everybody can see you. I won't make you stand. Hi. <laughs> I'm doing their wedding in June, and uh, it's my very first ever. So I'm very excited and not a little terrified. And I tried to talk them out of it. You don't want a first-timer, don't do it! And I said, no. Now, before anyone else might ask me to do their wedding... Please understand, as they know, a premarital prerequisite is that you come to Israel with me as they have. It's part of the premarital counseling. You know, you think I'm kidding. I'm not. Probably about the best premarital counseling that could ever happen was the time we walked together in Israel. Yeah? I get to see them when they're hot and tired and as well as moved. By the way, we leave this year to Israel on May 24, so come on along if you like. The sign-up is now. George, your trip leaves in April. I forget the date. April 28. And so Kyle and Catherine, not done with you yet, I would love, 
for you to consider making your wedding vows to God in this way. Because a husband and wife are bound together because they are bound to God in the covenant of marriage. Back to the church and covenant membership at West Bowles, although frankly we never left the topic. Should you become a covenant member of West Bowles, you become bound to the other people of God here because you are binding yourself to God in a covenant. Not to anyone else here, but you're promising God you will do this membership thing as outlined in your packet. The rest of us, and ultimately the rest of the world, so help us God, are merely the beneficiaries of that covenant that you make to God. And yes, that means it's not to be taken lightly. Even though this membership covenant, unlike marriage and unlike our covenant with God as a people of God, this membership covenant isn't binding for life. But what we are asking is that should you decide to become a covenant member here, we're asking that you make that commitment to 2010, this year, as a covenant member. But even that shorter-term commitment is something to take very, very seriously. And so what we're going to do is to give you the month of February to focus on especially, if you like, pray about it, think it over, and then if you would like to become a covenant member for 2010, fill out and hand in your packet, and then on the last Sunday in February, February 28, we'll affirm together during the service all who have decided to be covenant members of West Bulls for the year. Oh, won't that be fun? Six of you think it will be fun. Okay. Now, you will notice in your packet on page five, turn there with you to make sure I got the right page. That's the page with the catchy title membership form on the top. On that page, there is a place to mark whether you are a reaffirming covenant member or a new covenant member. Do you see that about two inches from the top? Okay. We're asking that everyone interested in being a covenant member here for 2010, please fill out this entire packet, turn it in, even if you've been a member forever here. If you're already a member, then would you please check the reaffirming box and complete the rest of the form as well so we can make sure we have your updated information as well as your latest testimony and story, which uh, there's a space for you in another part of the packet. So, whether you're a reaffirming or a new member, anyone who turns this all in will be formally approved for membership. Something we'll celebrate together on February 28. One other item. As you will read in your packet, we ask that our members take the step of baptism. If you need to be baptized yet and want to be a covenant member, great. Still go ahead, fill out the packet, and then on that same page five, lower down, check the appropriate box concerning baptism. See it? I've not yet been baptized. I'd like to be baptized. And we'll go ahead and acknowledge you along with everyone else on the 28th, that commitment you've made. And then sometime in March, we'll schedule a baptism class and then have a baptism during a service in March sometime. 
How about that? Does that sound fun? Okay, 18 of you. I'm getting, okay. Okay, is that all clear enough? About as clear as the mud on that little girl's shoes? Pastor Dave, Pastor George, and I will be at the welcome booth in the lobby immediately following the service. Any questions you might have? And I know there'll be a couple for all of you, especially industrious types who hate having blank forms ever. We'll collect any forms that you may want to fill out and hand in even this morning, but there's a lot to read and fill out, so you can certainly take your time over something that is significant. Hand them in at any time, hopefully before February 28, so we can celebrate your covenant membership at that time. And so thank you in advance for considering joining us, joining our church as a covenant member. We're honored that you'd even consider making the commitment to God. And let me just say that as a covenant member here, you will enjoy such things as free parking, coffee for a dollar, and putting money in the offering plate. Yeah. (laughs) We'll also teach you a secret covenant member handshake. No. Now, let me say this about that. You know, if you're not ready to make this commitment, that's all right. Seriously. Um, it's, it's all right. We're in different paths and different places on our walk, and it sounds a little funny to you, and uh, you don't want to do that. That's all right. You are still more than welcome here. But at the same time, we want to give anyone the opportunity to make their participation here, the next year at least, official, to make it covenantal with God. So if you are willing to be bound together with this people of God and be warned, we're a weird bunch, but if you're willing to do so, please let us know by completing and handing in your packet. All right. You ready to celebrate communion together this morning? It seemed especially appropriate that a morning that began with a people of God fair end in communion together. Amen? So as Craig and the worship team are coming up to help prepare our hearts for communion, would you join me please in prayer? Father in heaven, it's been an amazing few weeks to reflect on and hear from your word and even in each other what it means to be your people of God, to belong to you, to be drawn to you by your intense, intimate, personal love of us. Father, I would ask if there's anyone here today that is moved by your spirit to go ahead and join in and to do something more or deeper or different or other in mixing it up in this diverse group, this diverse people of God, that they would respond, that they would respond to any call that you've placed on them and in their hearts, either today or over the next few weeks, and that they would take that step of humble courage to jump all in with us together so that, Father, the world may know that there is a God in salvation through His Son, Jesus. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.